0: There has to be some common sense. Yes,
1: sir, they have the car stopped in 10 and the Michael Byther. The we
0: still don't know who pulled the trigger. everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran of the NYPD. I just want to acknowledge before I go into today's topic, which we're going to speak a little bit more on, the Henrietta, Oklahoma investigation. Uh, I just want to acknowledge that uh, Lori Vallow was convicted, and it's good news for everyone now. The second half of that case, we got to ho- hope that... Uh, he gets the same in a jury verdict, but uh, evil, evil person. And I think a lot of people had covered that case once the verdict came out, and uh, the wheels of justice, we, you know, turned slowly, but they wielded a swift verdict and the correct verdict. And I think we're all we're all happy that uh, I mean, you can't even think of how horrific that case is. I use the word horrific a lot because we're covering real crime and true crime. And obviously, everyone that's been following that case, that's good news. And there's other cases across the country that um, we hope results in the same guilty verdicts. You know, this case, of course, I'm referring to the Henry Oklahoma case, the the perp Jesse McFadden, who was a, a convict who was released way too early. And as a result of that, we see what has occurred here. Besides the fact that there was this was another horrific crime, six young people lost their life. And, uh, you know, he, Jesse McFadden, allegedly committed suicide. I mean, I don't trust this investigation uh, and I, I, that was left to the local police. They couldn't close this case fast enough. We spoke about this numerous times, how there was so much more to investigate. And they, they just wanted to close this case and walk away from it. And if not for Justin Webster, the father of Ivy Webster, this case would have probably just been been closed shut. You know, th- this gentleman on the right there, if it wasn't for him and his outrage and his, his articulating his outrage to the police and to the press, and he's shown a light on something that should never happen, a, a, a police work that was just incomplete, poor, uh, inconclusive. I really would like to know how they determined that this whole case uh, was was a result of, of, of a murder-suicide. And I believe that could have happened. However, how I want to know scientifically, how did they determine that? What determined that? After all, the bodies were spread throughout this property here that you're seeing on the screen. How was it determined? Was there gunshot residue on the victims? Was there there tattooing from a firearm on the victims? What scientific way did they determine that this was a murder-suicide? Was there a note left? The note is inconclusive at best. So I really want to know that. I really want to know. Um, those are the three children that, uh, the wife of Holly guests, you know, and we're hearing now that potentially she was involved in this too. And it makes sense. How was, was he capable or enabled to do something like this unless she was down with it? You know, what woman would say, oh, what are these restraints behind the bed? What are they, what are they for? of course she knew about it and i think that we have to understand that you know we have to really be in our children's lives more and i'm not saying you're not uh, but if you're not get involved you know they talk about how do you know if your kids are having a sleepover how do you know what is at the other end of of the sleepover do you know the parents do you know who's in that home How can you be sure? How well do you know the people? You know, and those are the things, those are the questions we must ask as parents. You know, who, where where are our kids going? Is it safe for a 14 year old girl? In this case, two 14 year old girls right here. Those are the two of the victims. Apologize for the poor quality of the photo on the right. Ivy Webster and Brittany Brewer. What was the how were they invited? How did they know these people? Uh, did they know them from school? There's a little bit better of a picture there uh Did they know them from school? How well did they know them? the the, the, the boy in that picture I believe his his name is um, Michael Mayo uh was was he the connection? how there was allegedly or there was supposedly some other kids, there's the picture on the screen of the perpetrator, a good-looking fella, huh? Um, and I question, and I've questioned before, um, how was this person let out into the community, this monster let out into this community without the community being notified? How is that possible? In, in the 21st century, a level one offender, how was he allowed out into the community without any notification to the community. And we spoke about the poor processing of this crime scene, not even poor, it was amateurish and almost non-existent, the home. And just by chance, the landlord invited the parents over of the victims to go see if any of their children's belongings were still. And and the father, of course, uh, Justin uh, Webster, he discovers his daughter's cell phone. And, and the police, the, the, the officer on the scene, oh, what good would it do to, to take that? Oh, or what good would it do to process this evidence? We know what happened. This case is closed. You know, I, I can repeat over and over again, uh, poor, poor training, uh, probably not a lot of dedication to his job. Um, you know, we can criticize and criticize, but the important thing right now is that they get it right now. Can they correct? Can they they undo the bad job that was done? Yeah, well, they can because they're going to pick it up from here. And the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation, as we all know, has now taken over the case. And what is their job? What do they have to do? Their job is multi multifaceted in this world of criminal investigation. And if you're a true crime aficionado, you watch police off the cuff, you watch duty run, you watch Ed Wallace on duty run. You know that the crime, the crime scenes processing of crime scenes is a science, a very important science. And largely this day and age, it comes back many times to digital evidence. What do I mean by digital evidence? Cell phones, text messages, computers, uh, GPS, cell site information on the cell phones. The communications in a cell phone, the texts and the calls gives us a timeline. Could the, the cell phones of the two young girls, Ivy Webster and Brittany Brewer, Couldn't those cell phones have photographs on them that give us an idea of the horrors that occurred inside that house? Couldn't they also give us an idea of perhaps other folks, other people that were involved in this case? Because it's not over by no means. You know, these pedophile communities, I'm going to say communities, who do you think this guy hangs out with? Jesse McFadden, you think he hangs hangs out with Rhodes Scholars? No, he hangs out with other pedophiles, other sick individuals like himself. You know, and I can't help the enabler here. Uh, it would be have been impossible for her to have married this guy and not to know what he was all about. She may have been also an active participant. There's a really good chance of that. So all of these things must, must, must be looked into. And again, we can't say uh, enough how much uh, John uh, Justin Webster is a hero in this case, shining a light on, uh, on the horrors that occurred in this house and also on the delinquent nature of the police and the fact that they didn't do their job. I'm going to play a little bit of John Webster right now on the Law & Order show.
1: And she did not deserve this.
2: The father of a young girl murdered with her friends at a sleepover in Oklahoma is pushing for changes to protect children from sex offenders. I'm Anjanette Levy and welcome to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. Ivy Webster had just turned 14 when she was murdered along with her friends at a sleepover in Henrietta, Oklahoma, a little more than a week ago. The man who killed her, convicted sex offender Jesse McFadden, was the stepfather of her friend Tiffany Guess. Ivy went to the sleepover at Tiffany's house on Saturday, April 29th. The next day, Ivy's parents reported her missing when they couldn't reach her. Sheriff's deputies found Ivy, Tiffany, and Tiffany's mother, Holly Guess, shot in the head at the family's property. Also killed, Ivy and Tiffany's friend, Brittany Brewer, and Tiffany's siblings, Michael Mayo and Riley Allen investigators said McFadden took his own life. Fox 23 News in Oklahoma claims that McFadden was due in court the day after the murders on charges that he had sexted a minor from prison using a contraband cell phone. He had been released from prison despite facing those charges. The victim in that case, who's now an adult, told Fox 23 that McFadden had texted her that he was never going back to prison. Ivy's father tells us they found items used for bondage in the McFadden home, including chains and
0: folks. I just want you. Uh, I'm going to go back on on this video a little bit.
2: Told Fox Look, 23 that McFadden. Now this had is why I always question... that he was never going back to prison. Ivy's father tells us.
0: Look at that. What would those restraints screwed into the wall? If you're not, if you're listening and not watching, behind the bed there is circular. Um, Restraint holders, I'll call them, screwed into the wall so someone could be restrained on, on the bed. If parole, like this guy, he was on parole. He should have been visited. His home should have been visited. Don't you think a parole officer would look at that and say, what the hell is this? What is this all about? You know, and it goes on and the horror continues. But the biggest, you know, look, government fails us. In this instance, the criminal justice system failed this community. Uh, I'm going to play, keep playing it here. You see some of the more horrific they things found the items artists.
2: used for bondage in the McFadden home, including chains and sex toys left out in the open. Now Ivy's parents are supporting a move by state legislators to make it mandatory that sex offenders serve their full sentences. McFadden had been released after serving 85% of his sentence. Joining me to discuss this horrific tragedy is Justin Webster. He is Ivy Webster's father. Justin, thank you so much for coming on Sidebar with us. We really appreciate it. Um, First of all, how are you and your family doing right now?
1: We're trying to stay together and close as we possibly can to help support each other. And um, we're trying to come up with new initiatives to help pass her story and get her story out there so other people could use it to help change laws within their states and to help us change the laws here and to
0: you know folks you wonder you know a a parent just had his 14 year old girl murdered and not just that probably horrifically abused before that how did they cope with this how they get by day to day. And again, the mantra that we all use when something horrible happens is one day at a time. And that's all you can do is try to live your life one day at a time, but must be very, very, very difficult to live that one day at a time, because this is, you could see how busy he's keeping himself. And that's purposefully because this horrific act occurred and he needs to keep himself occupied so he doesn't think of the horror that occurred here. To Start protecting these kids around our country.
2: And let's talk about that. There's been a push uh, since this happened just in the last several days to change the laws in Oklahoma so that sex offenders are not allowed to get out of prison after serving only 85% of their sentences because of things like good time credits and things like that. So you are obviously supportive of these measures.
1: Not only are we supportive of their measures, but we're also supportive of congressmen being uh, transparent with us and open with us on the process of how that works. So he is trying to find a bill that was already created uh, before this session. And he wants to scrap the language in that and to basically reform the law that's already been put to change those three measures the 85% rule, the good behavior. And,
0: you know, folks, <clears throat> pardon me, but I think that, um, and no disrespect for Mr. Justin Webster here, but we're reinventing the wheel. These ideas are there and, you know, there is a sort of a movement in this country that tries to get people to think that prison inmates are good people, you know, they serve their time, they paid their debt to society. I'm going to tell you right now, you never, you know, as they say, have your head on a swivel, you never turn your back on a former prison inmate, you know, because that's who he is or that's who she is, all right? They're not going to change because they did 20 years in prison. In fact, usually they get worse. So when it, when we hear these, these things like, oh, we want to make sure that they're never let out, I mean, that's common sense. But guess what? Common sense is not that common, especially in the criminal justice field, especially in uh, corrections. You know, someone objected to me the other day in the chat using the term woke, but that's what it is, you know. These woke progressives think that these people that that commit these heinous crimes, oh, they paid their debt to society, then have them move in next door to you if you really feel that way, if you feel they should be treated just like everybody else. This guy, uh, Jesse McFadden, he needed supervision. Obviously, do you just let someone out that did 20 years in state prison, let them out? You know, I have so many questions about him. What was he doing day to day? Did he have a job? Did He had a computer or cell phone? I, think, I bet you there was more felonies committed on his cell phone than you can imagine. Why was that unsupervised? Again, I keep stressing, why was he allowed out unsupervised? Uh, Lula Morocco, sexual offenders and pedophiles never change, cannot be rehabilitated. Lou, you're so right. And uh, with that in mind, why was he unsupervised? I know I keep repeating that as if it's a mantra, but why was he allowed out without being visited by the State Division of Parole weekly, weekly? All it would have taken here was one visit to that house, he would have been violated. One visit. How do you explain these things, Mr. Jesse McFadden? How do you explain it? You're going right back to prison. You know, do not pass, go, do not collect $500. You're going right back to prison. You know, it's, uh, Danielle, single parents beware. People need to slow way down and learn every single thing about someone before their kids even meet them. Pay serious attention to red flags. Kids need to be protected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I would imagine, you know, Danielle, you say single parents, of course, uh, a single parent that, that's dating. How does, she, how does the person know that the person they're dating is trustworthy enough to be around their children? You need to check them out, right? The old expression, when in doubt, check it out. You knew the second part of that. I didn't have to repeat that limerick, but very difficult, right? The other thing that's so difficult these days is supervising your kids on their cell phones, on their computers. Maybe you should set parameters on their cell phone that they're not allowed to search the computer on their cell phone. Check their text messages. Who are they getting text? You know, does does a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old get unbridled freedom on their cell phone without parental supervision? I would bet a 14 through a 16-year-old Who's paying for that cell phone? The parent, most likely, right? So you should make it known that you make the rules, especially since you're paying the bill. You know, the other thing is, uh, you know, in this investigation, we talk about treasure troves of information, treasure troves of investigative information. And of course, that's gonna come from these cell phones, from these computers. There were at least four computers in that house. Can you imagine what's on those computers? I talked about numerous felonies on Jesse McFadden's cell phone. How many felonies do you think there were on those computers? How about the information, the people that he was corresponding with on his cell phone, in his Rolodex, on the computers, potential sexual photos of children on those computers? There were stacks of Polaroids, apparently. What do you think was on those computers? You know. So again, we're in a new era here and you must protect your children. And when I hear Mr. Webster here speaking on law and order, I applaud him, I grieve with him, I mourn for the loss of his daughter, but this is old stuff. And why in this community of Henrietta, Oklahoma, weren't the basic criminal justice and law enforcement and correctional philosophies of parole being adhered to. Why was this convicted felon, dangerous convicted felon, who had committed a felony behind prison walls? Why was he being allowed unfettered freedom to do as he pleased? Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous.
1: And being released, If you have a another charge on you while in prison he's trying to change those to stop all that um, and then come next session um, he's he's got a copy of our knight's law um, our petition that we created on change.org which i hope everybody in the country looks at and uses that language to create their own petitions and own laws within their own state um, and that's what that's there for but Governor Fettgetter is uh, looking over our petition and essentially will hopefully come next session add even more into the current law. But what we really want is we want a new law and we want that new law named uh, Knight's Law in respect to all the victims of child sex crimes and sexual offenders. Um you know uh, uh, with all due respect to most of these laws that are out there in the state are named after one specific person and they probably deserve that and i don't know their stories but there's more than one victim in these and they're all knights and that's what we are calling them now they are knights and they're fighters
2: and, and so explain to me uh, what else you would like to see aside from you know making it so sex offenders have to serve their full sentence like you know the the truth in sentencing where it's 100 percent. the full
1: sentence to start a hundred percent their full sentence to start should be life in prison um if sexual offenders have the ability to destroy a child's life with their acts that they do whether they murdered the child or
0: you know, folks, you look at this uh, Jesse McFadden's pictures on the screen right now, and uh, I think it's been guesstimated that a sex offender, before he or she gets caught, will have hundreds of victims, hundreds of lives destroyed by this savage here and other savages like him, you know? Pardon my political incorrectness calling he, him a savage, but he is a savage, you know? And... You know, we have to be concerned, and that's why it's so important. uh, It's so important that law enforcement does their job correctly and does their job to the highest level of professionalism. So, a dirtbag like this guy on the screen again, Jesse McFadden, that he never walks the streets again. And, you know, the criminal justice system is partly to more than partly to blame for this. Why was he released early? Was he behaving well? He obviously wasn't. He committed a felony behind the prison walls. You know what it is? It's a rush. It's really like a philosophy. It's a rush to empty the prisons. Let's empty, let him get, let's get him out of here. We don't want the industrial prison complex. You 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 listen, you hear that term used all the time. The industrial prison complex. Does this guy belong? walking among the good citizens of this country does he belong free does he belong to be out there you you know look at him you know again and when we talk about the crimes that he was caught committing how many crimes did he get away with you know you know we lula uh, Morocco. absolutely talk about teeth in a law what good is a law if the law is not enforced, the law is only as good as the enforcement. We've seen in New York City and other places like that that district attorneys are refusing to prosecute. That's really not in their in their wheelhouse. They're required to prosecute if someone's com- uh, commits a robbery first degree with a gun. They're talk- in Manhattan. They're talking about plea bargaining that down to a misdemeanor if no one was hurt during the robbery. That is outrageous. That's not what the criminal procedure law says. There are parameters that someone is supposed to receive. If they're convicted of a robbery, there are sentencing parameters. How does a district attorney come in and decide I'm not going to follow those parameters because I don't believe it. Philosophically, I believe that's too harsh. And that's where this all comes from. And, uh, you know, someone said to me the other day, oh, why do you always have to inject politics into this? Well, because, you know, I said a long time ago, the P in policing stands for politics. And the police, police are an arm of the government. However, they work at the behest of the government. And they're told what to enforce and what not to enforce, although the police enforce the law. And then the other arms of the criminal justice refuse to prosecute it. Especially in New York City, the police still do their job. They're still making arrests. They're still bringing people. in. and at the other end of it, they're bailing these people and then not prosecuting them. So the old revolving door exists. And this is what happens when you have a revolving door. You have a horrend- horrific, horrendous tragedy like this, where this guy uh, goes out and does and, and and kills six people. And you know, and we I mentioned before. I'm not convinced that this happened the way that the Henrietta police said it happened. I really that's why I think it's a good idea that the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation is taking over this case. They need to reinvestigate it from, from minute one. They need to do a do-over on this case. An absolute do-over.
1: Not that child, you know, it will have PTSD. They will have to go through counseling their entire life. They destroy that child's life. So if they can destroy a child's life, they should lose all their rights and we should have the right to throw them in prison the rest of their life. I love what Florida has done and governor DeSantis, and I'm hoping governor Stitt follows suit and creates a a capital punishment for sexual offenders. Here, these, these monsters, that's what they are. They're not human beings. They are monsters and need to be locked up for life or put to death.
2: Justin, I want you to, first of all, um, tell me, uh, You know, second of all here, tell me about Ivy, uh, your daughter, first of all, Uh, tell me about what kind of child she was.
1: it's, It's hard to stay focused and trying to continue to push to make things right. And then I get asked those questions and that's where I start breaking down. Ivy was the most amazing girl, and she did not deserve this. She was loved by everybody, and, you know, I keep telling the story of going to the school the day after and just wanting to make an appearance at the school for all her friends who she was loved very dearly by. And I went to her locker, and I started reading all the notes that were left in her locker, and most most of all of them explained of how good of a friend she was and when that specific person that wrote that note and those notes, because there was probably 10 or 15 of them that I read, you know, when I needed a friend most, you were there for me. When I was being picked on, you were the one that defended me. You You were the best thing that I could ever ask for. She is truly missed, not by just our family, but an entire community. She was amazing she played softball that was her favorite thing to do she her and tiffany and that's that's the other thing about this story is we didn't just lose ivy it was just the weekend before that we were telling tiffany that we're going to give her a key to our house because of how much she was here and how those two girls were connected at the hip they did everything together
0: folks this is so heartbreaking uh, so raw for this uh, father, Justin Webster, talking about his daughter. You know, he's breaking down. And we in law enforcement, these uh, these are the people that we work for. You know, uh, I, I sometimes quote the book um, Practical Homicide Investigation. And uh, Vernon Gebberth, who wrote that book, he, he always he says in the book that we – meaning us investigators, law enforcement, we work for God. We are the person that speaks for the deceased. And we're the one that's going to get justice for the deceased and the families of the deceased. And I believe that, you know, and that's why law enforcement needs to perform at a level of excellence, especially in cases like this. And we've seen it across the country. We've seen excellence in certain police departments, brilliance. And we've seen horrible police work also. Conversely, you know, I always mention the, uh, the case in Memphis with, uh, thinking of the, of the mother who was the jogger. Um, now it's escaping me her name, the police in Memphis and the FBI, they did an incredible, incredible job. Uh, the case, the perpetrator was identified in 24 hours. And I believe they had him in 24, 48 hours. You know, you watch that show on T- Eliza Fletcher. Eliza Fletcher. That case affected me. And, you know, even though I wasn't uh, boots on the ground investigating that case, it really did have an effect on me. A, a, a mom jogging at 4.30 in the morning, just kidnapped off the street by some savage, you know. And these cases demand excellence, demand excellence from law enforcement. And when less than that is delivered, it hurts everyone. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, real crime stories. If you like real crime, true crime from a police perspective, go on our YouTube and hit that subscribe button. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. Make comments. We love to read your comments. We love to respond to your comments. I try to respond to as many comments as I possibly can. I can't respond to all of them. Some of them I I, I you know I also realize everyone has a right to their opinion and i don't always agree with everyone's opinion of course you would never would you never would agree with everyone's opinion but when i agree with you i give you a thumbs up when i don't i leave it blank and if it's disrespectful i may jettison you from the chat (laughs) that's just the way it is you know i'm not going to let someone be disrespectful on my chat line and my on my show you know but uh, i respect your opinions as long as it stays uh, respectful um, if you want to uh, contribute to us financially we have a patreon with three different levels and we also have a youtube channel membership and you see the folks in the green font they're part of our youtube family our friends our subs uh, our fans some people object sometimes what do you call us your fans well that's what you are you're our fans you our subs you're our friends whatever you want to be called anyway uh, we appreciate you Stephanie Stinner, when the U.S. does not have a common enemy to fight, our citizens start paying too much attention to what the truth is, so they create problems to then save us from the police work extra to near us. Well, you know something, Stephanie, there's a lot of problems, and one of the big problems across the nation has been, and this is my opinion, and you can agree or disagree with, is the war on police over the last five years. We saw two years of riots that uh, people were calling to calling for defunding the police. And we, we've seen how that's worked out in cities that tried it. Uh, it it's ridiculous. So when you don't get police excellent, excellence, partly it's that they're not investing enough in their police department, in training, in paying them a good salary so they get the best possible candidates, and treating them with respect. And when the police are treated with respect and given the proper training, paid a good salary and treated with respect by politicians in the community, there will rise to the occasion and it will become a professional organization that every community can and should be proud of, of their police. But there are communities we saw in this case, this, this, this was not professionalism. This was some of the worst police investigative work I've seen anywhere in the country. Uh, just, the fact that they tried to walk away from this. You know, we spoke about in this investigation, cell phones and computers. When you get the information from a cell phone, and if you guys were watching True Crime, one of the things that's necessary is to get search warrants on these cell phones. And you may you may ask why? Why do we need a cell phone? The, the, the people whose cell phones are dead. Well, because if we come up with any evidence In those cell phones that we may want to use in a future prosecution we have to do it correctly we have to do it by the letter of the law you know and if we don't there's something called the fruits of the poisonous tree you hear that term and all you folks out there with law degrees and that have studied law the fruits of the poisonous tree doctrine says that evidence that is obtained illegally will be suppressed And that will be the first thing that a defense attorney will do so that's why law enforcement must collect the evidence correctly and by the book legally so yes all of those it's a lot of work that's probably why that local police department wanted to raise their hands say we're done because it's you're talking probably another six months to a year of work on this case do they have the personnel do they have the resources do they have the fine finances Do they have the know-how? Do their officers have the training to undertake an investigation like this? I think not, based on some of the things they said. Uh, So, yeah, this is all important. And I mentioned, look, investigation was what I did uh, out of 27 years in the NYPD. 16 of them, I was a sergeant in the detective bureau, right? The NYPD detective bureau, which is widely recognized around the world as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, detective uh, bureau in the world all right so i was in the, the nypd detective bureau for 16 years i started out uh as a rip sergeant everything has an acronym on the NYPD. back when i started in rip rip stood for robbery investigation program and then i went from rip on the west side to two four i went to the two three precinct in el barrio spanish hall and i had the rip unit there which uh Probably the detectives in the RIP unit and the 2 3 Squad were, to me, you know, some people could disagree, they were the very best in the city. It was one of the best RIP units in the whole city. And I was proud to lead them. From there, I went just across the hall to the 2 3 Squad. And I was a squad boss. And then right after 9 11, I was picked up uh, in Manhattan North Homicide, where I spent the rest of my career investigating homicides in, in Manhattan North, uh, one of the most prestigious homicide units in, probably in the world, not just New York City, in the world, and uh, I learned a great deal, and one of the things you learn as a boss on the NYPD, and Lieutenant Pete's in the chat, he'll tell you this too, you can learn from anyone, you can learn from a cop, you can learn, I learned a hell of a lot from detectives, I learned a lot from big bosses too but you have to be a sponge and absorb all the things uh be open what do they call it tabla rosa right that's a tablet that empty tablet and then you're going to fill it up with information and things that you learn uh the dude the dude had news channels pushing propaganda of mcfadden months before the entire thing happened go figure you know, I think a lot of times also the, the press tends to be progressive also, and they take the side, in many cases, of uh, of prison inmates. Let's get back to the investigation. Information that they garner from these cell phones, that could potentially start a whole new investigation. An entire, they could ensnare an entire web of pedophiles. Just from the information, that they can garner from these cell phones and these computers at this location. As I used that expression yesterday, birds of a feather flock together, you know? Uh, who do you think that the Jesse McFadden hung with? Rhodes scholars? No, he hung with other pedophiles, other criminals that were like him, you know? Um, so information that's garnered from the cell phones information that's guarded from the computer as i said it could actually start an entirely new investigation uh and and just build you know you could find out a year from now 100 pedophiles from this area have been arrested they could probably tie it right back to this case because they're going to get a tremendous amount of intelligence from these cell phones they get a tremendous amount of intelligence from these computers. They're going to get a tremendous amount of intelligence just through a search of that house. Look at all. They had supposedly five inches of Polaroids, of kids. They now have to connect those kids to where are those kids right now? Who are those kids? Are those kids missing? Who are those kids' families? I, we don't even know some of the other things. Once the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation does a thorough Search of both that house and the land, this could start a, a, an entirely new, huge investigation. You know, they got to look into the sex offender community in Henrietta, Oklahoma. Who are these people? And how do we tie them together? Well, again, the computer, cell phones, interaction. As I said, birds of a feather flock together. And this investigation could be a huge feather in the cap of the Oklahoma State Department of Investigation. We're gonna watch this over the next year. Uh, A big investigative resource here is of course interviews. You see these people on the screen right here. The interviews of the friends of these kids What did the friends of these kids know? What did they know about this house? What did they know about Jesse McFadden? Uh, I just, again, a treasure trove of intelligence, a treasure trove. And I always like to say when I was teaching, uh, when you ask questions, you get answers. And when you get answers, you get more questions. And that's how investigation works. That's how we get more and more information. And it's so important to ask the questions, uh, to ask the right questions and to use questions again, to get answers uh, and keep building upon that. And when you start asking these questions, you'll be, you won't be shocked to to see where it leads. What do you think this is going to lead? It's going to lead to a criminal enterprise, to a huge criminal enterprise. Uh, you know the information also that undoubtedly Holly Guess, who was married to Jesse McFadden, you know I would like to know, and I just hear there's nothing, there's no um, concrete evidence of this. How did she meet this guy? Was she one of these people that, or pen pal? Prison inmates, I never understood that. It's like digging into the sewer for, to go fishing. Are you kidding me? Like women that go troll prisons or men that troll prisons to meet a member of the opposite sex, I, I don't get it. It's like the lowest common denominator, people going, meeting people that are in prison. I, I just It defies all logic to me. You know, uh, it it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, some of you out there, fuzzy doxy, saying sick. Yeah, very sick. Uh, it just just in, incredible uh, that that people do that. But there are people that do that. There was some idiot that was trying to be a pen pal of Brian Koberger, saying she was in love with him. Like, come, please, are you kidding me? Just get out of here. I mean, just uh you know. I don't have enough disdain for someone like that. Really? You you want to go that low? You want to dig into jails and prisons to meet people? you got some serious issues, you know? I just do not get that. Uh, uh, you're dumb as heck. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they should remove prison pen pals. Only the prisoner's family should be able to communicate with a prisoner. You know, I think... Um, Jay, it's a matter of like control. They want to be able to control these people that have 24 7 to plot, to scheme, to scam, to do diabolical things, and they want them uh, they want them occupied. So I think they allow them more latitude than you and I, free people on the outside world, would think that they should have. Jennifer, thank you for the five dollar super sticker. I wonder why none of the kids went to the cops. She was a pen pal of his, as they say. You know, well, most kids are not going to tell on their mom, you know. But what kind of brain does she have that she's trolling the prisons for a mate? And then the guy gets out and she has him move in with her children and her. Move in. I'm sure he's a great earner, you know. I said that sarcastically. I'm sure he was a loser and probably was just a parasite, you know. But it's just... It's mesmerizing to me that people go troll prisons to meet someone. You know, uh, Monica, many articles have been written on true crime channels and Police Off the Cuff is listed as one of the best channels to follow for true crime. Thank you very much. I thought this would make you happy, Bill Cannon. Monica. It certainly does because, you know, I don't follow any of the other um, true crime channels except Duty Ron. And as you guys know, we're good friends. And I've been on his show. He's been on my show. We share our guests, we share our co-hosts. And uh, so thank you, Monica. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. That really does make me feel uh, very good. Uh, Scott, there's gotta be some truth in the fact that the pen pals of inmates know exactly where the significant other is. Of course, and Scott, you know that at least in New York state, all mail of prisoners is opened and read by prison officials all telephone calls are recorded and listened in on. So they know, prison inmates know they have no real privacy. They don't deserve privacy. They're convicted felons. And they could, they plot 24-7. So for the security of the prison and the security of other inmates and other people in the prison, those little security devices are put into place where they're not allowed to get phone calls. That's why I'm baffled. How did this guy have a cell phone? How does that happen? I would really like to know that. How does that happen? You know, I talk about uh, that case last year we had of uh, home cooking with Marilyn. Thank you for the 199 super sticker. Much appreciated. That inmate in Texas, Gonzalo Lopez, that case is another case that has stayed with me. And again, I wasn't boots on the ground. I didn't work on that investigation. Here was this mutt, this absolute savage who had help escaping from a state prison in Texas. Had help probably by the, the uh, correction officers and certainly by the other inmates. Escapes off a bus with two armed correction officers. They never got even got a shot at him, right? Runs across a field. As he's running across the field, a local police officer is driving by, does nothing, makes no attempt to apprehend the guy, another brilliant police department across this great country of ours, escapes. Now the big manhunt, the big manhunt is on for Gonzalo Lopez. And the field that he ran into had all kinds of hunting cabins that some of them were stocked with food. Certainly he could break in and and gain shelter from getting into these locations. So, He's gone for, I don't know, a week, two weeks. And the lackadaisical nature of law enforcement in that part of the country. Oh, yeah, we think he's probably gone north. He's probably out of here. We all know what happened after that. You guys know the end of this story, right? He murders a family of five going into their hunting cabin after law enforcement and corrections says, It's safe to come back into the community. We heard that before. Us 9-11 first responders, we were told by Christine Todd Whitman that the air was safe to breathe down at ground zero. So why am I bringing this up? Because never believe a government bureaucrat when they say something absolute like this. It's absolutely safe. Oh, really? And then he kills a family of five. So, you know, folks, it's just... uh, Lisa Gallegos. Lisa, Lisa Gallegos. Nice to see you from Colorado. Uh, Guys, I I just want to take this little break right now. Just all you moms out there, I want to wish everyone a um, happy Mother's Day this weekend. Uh, That's probably the most honorable profession on this earth, being a mom, right? Can you think of any more honorable profession than being a mom? A good mom always puts herself... Uh, puts her kids before herself, right? I, I'd like to say puts her husband before herself, but I'll get attacked by all you guys. But put, Absolutely puts her kids before herself and takes care of her kids. And that's what my mom did. You know, my mom had eight kids. Can you imagine that? Eight kids. She just, uh, prying Paula, thank you, Bill. No, thank you guys for being the great mothers that I know 99% of you are. You know, and, uh, it's a th- sometimes a, a thankless job, difficult job, right? Mom's got to know, mom's got to have intuition. Mom's got to look out for their kids, got to help feed their kids, clothes on their kids' back. The era of the one-income family pretty much is over, right? Almost every family across this country, you need to have two incomes to support your family. Uh, Lieutenant Pete, thank you so much. Lieutenant Pete Pranzo. Uh, thank you for wishing my wife a uh, happy Mother's Day. She's actually a, an outstanding mother too, and uh, and I know Rachella is is an awesome awesome mom. Uh, and Lieutenant Pete, I sure she, and she's a mom to you too. I'm sure she cooks you that that Italian food every weekend. I'm coming over one day. I'm going out to Eastern Long Island. I'm just going to show up. <laughs> Rachella, can't you throw something? can you whip something up fast? Oh, we just so happen to have. I, uh, yesterday we cooked some eggplant parmesan i was like wow how did i know that <laughs> i brought some wine with me you know so yeah it's um it's good so again guys just uh, uh to all you moms out there happy mother's day i hope you uh spend it with your with your family with your kids it's not not always possible my son when well, one son's in denver the other one's in new york city he's going away with his uh, fiance so they're not going to be around so i'm going to have to be the uh the celebrator with my wife for Mother's Day. And uh, I'm sort of looking forward to it. You know, guys, these are the cases that, uh, that I, well, I shouldn't say I like to cover, but it's sort of in my wheelhouse and my expertise. And when we cover these cases across the nation and we see uh, just some of the mistakes made, uh, and you, you know who, suffers for this it's it's the community it's the people in a community that suffer when law enforcement doesn't do their job correctly you know it's definitely definitely uh the community and it's not always the police department's fault you know you can blame it on a lot of things from what i understand and someone online the other day i think mike geary looked it up for me he said the police department there is woefully underpaid woefully under trained and as a result you know you get what you get when i'm not saying that that's okay it's not but if you want a professional police department you have to pay them and you have to train them and you have to continuously send them to training you don't just get trained in the police academy and they throw you out there and they said okay nothing changes over the 20 something years you're going to be on this job you got to constantly Seek more training. And um, because, you know, who else is between chaos and this guy right here on the screen? Jesse McFadden, rapist, child molester, pedophile. Who stands between him and the public? Well, the answer is the police, you know, and they're supposed to be standing between them. And exacerbating situations is, you know, people that think it's, 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 uh, it's cool to date a prison inmate. Yeah, it's really cool, you know, and brings this prison inmate to her home with her kids, uh, you know, just, just horrific, uh, amazing. And then, you know, as a result, two young girls like this, 14 years old, uh, wind up dead, uh, and, and, you know, and uh three more kids. So a total of five kids and of course the mom, which we feel that it's potentially she was complicit in this also. So it it's uh you know the cases that we cover on this channel, you know, there's no there's no crime that, you know, is is or a lighter crime. It's not it's not a horrible crime. Crime is horrible, you know, and uh It's, again, the only thing standing between criminals and the public is the police. And that's why it's important for all you guys and for the public and, of course, the politicians to support the police. Don't defund the police. Fund. Fund the police. You know, support the police. Don't try to get votes by going against the police. You know, Uh, it's... um, Mary Michael, you're covering cases that are overshadowed by the Letitia's and Lorries of this world. The attention you give them is needed and appreciated by the victims and their loved ones. You know, it's uh, how we choose to pick cases uh, on these channels is, you know, I don't want to just cover something because everyone else is, you know. I think it's important uh, to shine a light on a lot of different things, a lot of different cases. And uh, this case sort of uh, attracted me not, not immediately, but uh, after a couple of days, because it's just, it's just a, you know, a crime that, uh, that deserves, deserves a lot of attention for this man. You see on the screen, uh, Justin Webster, you know, and his family, his kids and uh, the community and the fact that he's so passionate now about getting justice, you know, and, uh, That's, you know, it's so important and, you know, we see it and, you know, pretty soon the, um, Brian Koberger case, he's going to be, uh, starting those hearings on June 26th. And, uh, you know, when you doubt that, that the police are needed and professional, just look at this on the screen. Look at that on that screen. Um,
1: uh like some of the the marijuana gummies and stuff that we were finding um that that was purchased that weekend um i believe the day before if not that friday before um i had a receipt in my hand from walmart from the bag that held the empty package for the padlocks in it and some additional chains in my hand and uh, I set it on the kitchen counter when the deputies asked us to get out of the house um, after we found some more evidence for him. That was the third time we went back there. And-
0: so there he finds some padlocks and some chains and with a receipt. There's where investigators should also be following up. Where did they buy this from? How often were they buying things like this? Do you know this guy who's been buying this stuff? Who came in and bought this stuff? It was bought at this time. Do you have video? Let's see who bought this. All of that stuff, of course, is investigative checklist things that take a long time. But that's what a professional investigator does. They do things like that. And that's why this case is not closed. And it's going to take a long time to get the truth.
1: And as far as where that receipt went after that, I don't know.
2: Justin, um, I, I, just can't even imagine being in your shoes, um, as a parent and because you, you know, love your children and, and, want the best for them and want them to be safe. Um, and nobody could have really foreseen this. Um, what do you want parents to know uh, other parents uh, who might be have, sending their children to sleep over at somebody's house?
1: Well, it's not, it's not just only that. Um, you know, of course we, even if we looked on the Oklahoma registry, which I've done time and time again, since this has happened and Jesse doesn't pop up on any Oklahoma registries. Um, and that's the concerning thing. Cause as a parent, you know, all these internet trolls are saying that we're the bad people for letting our daughter over there, but they haven't gone through what we have as far as entering Jesse's name in the Oklahoma registry, he doesn't pop up. So even if we did that, we still wouldn't have known because the state failed us. Um, they, he's not on Oklahoma registry. He's on the United States sexual registry, but me in my mind, I would have looked up on the Oklahoma registry and left it at that because he should have been on there. Um, so do, if I had to tell any parents, I would say, look at every avenue, every resource given to continue to try to see if your children are going to a safe place.
0: So folks, I think we've learned, uh, I mean, I don't know if you learned a lot from this, but I mean, it definitely gives you pause as to always want to know where your kids are. Perhaps it's not a good idea to, to have sleepovers. How well can you know the people, uh, they're staying over the house how do you know they have adult supervision how do you know the adults that are supervising them are competent and not criminal-minded adults how do you know that fuzzy doxy thank you so much for the 9.99 super sticker great job as always thanks bill guys i really appreciate all of the um jojo i'm a supreme fan at bill cannon thank you so much very much appreciated uh They can find out who all those cell phones belong to SM. Absolutely they can, you know, and that's why we say this case is a lengthy case. It needs a lot more investigation. And it's a good thing that the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation is taking over this case because they have the resources, they have the personnel, and they have the know-how to see this case through and take it to wherever it leads. Well, folks, I, I didn't realize I was going to actually do an hour today uh, to talk to you guys. But this case, um, it sort of is important to me when I talk about it and I see the horrible nature of this thing and, and realizing that not all jurisdictions uh, in this country have the same level of police investigation. And um, Snow6390, thank you for your service and for your channel. Thank you, uh Really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, guys, it's, again, it, 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 it's it's a horrific situation here, a horrific crime. Uh, Jay, poets of my heart, the sheriff in my area was crooked and would steal the drugs that were confiscated. When any of the other officers tried to expose him, he ran the good officers out of town. That's a shame. You don't doubt that some of these little towns can be extremely corrupt because they don't have the same checks and balances and the same watchdogs that some of the bigger areas have. Folks, I don't want to uh, belabor this. Again, all you moms out there, I'm wishing you all a happy Mother's Day. Uh, Enjoy the day. Spend it with your loved ones, your friends, your family. Uh, Have a glass of red wine for me. (laughs) I've cut down a lot of my red wine consumption, maybe two to four glasses a week at most. So, all right, uh, guys, have a great day and uh, I'll see you soon. Bill Cannon from Police Off the Cuff.